you have your Bible, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll be looking at the, the first seven verses this morning. Ben has been uh, teaching you about the core missionary task. Several years ago in Dubai, we began to work on that to develop what are those simple things that we know we need to do as missionaries. And so we kind of boiled it down to entry. We've got to enter a new culture correctly. We've got to know how to contextualize the gospel. We need to pray and ask God to release people from the bondages that they lived in for, for centuries in some places. And then we need to evangelize. We've got to proclaim the gospel. Then we need to make disciples. Then we need to plant churches. And then we need to train up leaders to lead those churches. And eventually, those folks are going to go, and we're going to exit from that work, and we're going to go with them to partner in other parts of the world that still need to hear the gospel. So this morning, we're going to be reminded of some words that Paul wrote to Timothy as he was uh, leading that work there in Ephesus. He gives us some very challenging words today. So if there are two words I want you to come away with today from our message from this time together, it's pray and proclaim, which is entry and evangelism, the first two components of the missionary task. Every night in Varanasi, India, there's an elaborate worship service. The bells are clanging the smoke is rising, bodies are burning along the banks of the mighty Ganges River, and people come by the thousands to worship, but they're worshiping the goddess of the Ganges River. And Many would hope to even die there along that river and have their bodies burn and the ashes flow into that river because they believe they can reach nirvana through that process. Every year, hundreds of thousands come to that place uh, seeking truth and light, and yet they spend their time wandering around in dark temples and, and bowing to lifeless idols. The world that Paul and Timothy lived in was very much like that world, uh, full of idol worship, full of trying to appease the, the dark spirits. In fact, even in our city here today, there were those that were bowing to idols. I, I found two Hindu temples here in the Memphis area where idol worship takes place on a daily basis. And so the nations have come among us, and, and we will we be a people as committed to reaching the lost over there as we are here? The nations are among us. We have an opportunity to impact the nations, not just on the other side of the world, but right here in Memphis. Well, Paul starts out his letter to Timothy encouraging him to, to fight for the gospel, to guard the gospel, to, to stay firm and steadfast in his faith and, and to, to keep the faith. And then in chapter 2, he turns to very practical application. And so we see Paul here in chapter 2 begin to talk about prayer. First of all, then, I urge that requests and prayers intercession and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all people for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving. Paul is exhorting us to pray for the lost, to pray for the nations, to pray for those people who have yet to hear the gospel. We are on a life-saving mission, church. There are people dying and and going to hell every day, and they need this good news. There's a a number that keeps us up at night at the International Mission Board. It's 154937. 154937. 154,937 people will perish in the next 24 hours around our globe, and they will enter a Christless eternity. Many never having an opportunity to hear the gospel, even for one time. Even one time. And we can be engaged in this great commission right here from Memphis, Tennessee. In fact, this part of the Great Commission is the easy part. You don't need a passport. You don't need to uh, experience strange taste sensations and uh, come away with what we call deli belly in some parts of the world. You don't even have to get out of bed to engage in this global strategy. You, you want to have influence on, on kings and, and rulers and those power brokers in slums and cities and counties and countries around the world? Pray. Your prayers will impact the nations on the other side of the world. A.B. Simpson was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he was said to have a globe by his bedside table, and the morning he, he would take that globe and weep over the nations, praying that they would have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Well, we may not have, have globes in our day, but we have these things. And there's an app called IMB Pray. You can download that app and you can begin to pray for every region around the world that the IMB is working in. Nine regions, nine we call affinities. And every morning there are new prayer requests that you can pray through. So consider downloading that and praying over that globe, so to speak. Who do we pray for? Well, we pray for all kinds of people. Paul is writing to Jewish and Gentile Christians in Ephesus, and he's, he's praying for the Jews and Gentiles to come to faith. There were some Gnostic heretics in those days that said, uh, no, 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 only the religious elite are going to be saved. No need to pray for everybody. And Paul's saying, no, no, we, we pray that all would be saved because God wants all people to know him. So we pray for a variety of peoples. So how can we add some variety to our prayer lives? Well, let's think about going into our closet tomorrow morning and look at your shirt or your blouse, your jacket, your sweater, and see where was it made? Was it made in Peru or Vietnam or China? Take that opportunity as you begin your day to start praying for the nations. My shirt's made in Bangladesh. Started praying for Bangladesh this morning. First thing, you can begin to focus on the nations and the need to get the gospel to the nations. Pray for those missionaries working in those countries, those pastors of churches that may already be there, that they would have opportunities to spread the gospel. Pray for people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Pray for the rich, those who, who have means that can be patrons of the gospel 
in those places. They can provide resources that others can't. So pray that they would come to Christ. You know, Barnabas was a patron of the gospel early on. Pray for those poor. COVID has been devastating on those hand-to-mouth cultures around the world. Those people that depend on making a daily wage and at the end of the day they can feed their family. Millions have been starving these last 12 months. The IMB missionaries around the world have been doing COVID-related projects. They've spent over $2 million on these projects over the past several months, and each project is about $5,000, so that's a lot of projects. They've been providing food and, and walking into homes where people are starving. In fact, one of our missionaries opened a door that was just a jar, and he found a whole family that had taken their lives without hope. Pray for those deep in need who need to hear the gospel. They need food, yes, but they need the gospel as well. And your IMB missionaries are combining that and getting the gospel to people. In the past several months, they've been able to start 36 new churches just through these COVID-related projects. Pray for people from different religious backgrounds, for for Buddhists and Sikhs and Muslims and and Jains. I know that in your community, there are people from around the world. It's happening in every city across America, in small towns and large towns, big cities. Pray for them. You see, they have a network on the other side of the world. And if you reach them here, they'll reach that network. The Bible calls that an oikos, a household. They not only have a household here, but they have an international household. And when they go back to visit their family, they take the gospel back with them. So so pray for those and engage with them. Become their friends. Know their name. Ask them, how can I pray for you? And let's pray for the different ethnicities around the world. You know, Jesus said in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all the nations. That phrase, all the nations, is panta ta ethne. That means every ethnic group in the world. Well, today, according to our IMB research on peoplegroups.org, there are over 7,000 unreached people groups. An unreached people group is a group that's less than 2% Christian. So there are 7,000 of those, and within that 7,000, there are 3,000 who we call unengaged unreached people groups. They've never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. In fact, as far as we know, there's no one trying to reach those people groups. So let's pray for those people groups. And there is a list on peoplegroups.org that you can go to and begin praying for them. The largest one in the world today are the Japanese. 123 million lost. 40 million spread out through that Tokyo Valley. Pray that your IMB missionaries would have opportunities and that we're seeing glimpses of light and hope within the Japanese for the first time in a long time. Pray for the the Bengali Muslims packed into a, a, a landmass the size of Iowa. There are 87 million Bengali Muslims, and there are twice that population of Bangladesh packed into the size of Iowa, which has a population of 3 million. So there are people everywhere. The gospel has begun moving among them, those Bengali Muslims, and pray that that would continue. Persecution is also intense across those lands. Pray for Turkish Muslims, the third largest people group in the world. Very intensely antagonistic to the gospel in these days. So pray that the Lord would use our 
workers across those lands to bring the gospel. Is there variety in your prayers? Praying for different types of people, different ethnicities, the rich, the poor, the different religious backgrounds. Praying for the nations involves a variety of praying. We not only pray for a variety of peoples, we pray for those who are powerful. What did Paul say in this passage? He said, pray for kings and all who are in authority. Now, who was in authority in those days? Well, it was a crazed Emperor Nero. He was in authority. Some days he would take Christians and tie them to poles in his garden and put tar in them and light them ablaze to, to light his garden at night. He, he was a crazed emperor. Paul says, pray for kings and those in authority. There were very few Christians in, in any political leadership in those days. So clearly we are to pray for those in leadership across our country. And we are to pray for those government leaders around the world. Pray for Narendra Modi in India. When he came to power, he un unleashed uh, Hindu radicals against the church. In the past two months, five believers, pastors, have been murdered across the country of India. They worship him as a god in his home state. They've set up temples just for Modi with an image uh, of his head, an idol that they worship now. They consider him a god in Gujarat state. So what do we pray for? Well, Paul didn't say, Lord, blast Nero into oblivion. No. He says, pray that he too would come to know him. And, and pray that these leaders would lead in a way that provides an umbrella of peace so the gospel would flourish. We know in the Roman world that the gospel did flourish. There was a, a great infrastructure in the Pax Romana across those lands, and the gospel was able to flow on that infrastructure, and cities were changed and impacted over the years, and eventually Constantine embraces and, and Christianity becomes the religion of the realm. Sri Lanka was a country in a devastating civil war for three decades and finally, peace broke out, and one of our workers there uh, set up what he called Operation Andrew. He partnered with the church in Georgia to come and help train uh, many around that district, Gaul district, in how to pray, how to disciple, how to plant churches, how to share their story. We call it Share Your Story and His Story, Your Testimony and the Gospel. And so for six months, they started praying, and every person would make a list of 10 people that were lost that didn't know Christ. They began praying for them. They would go to their community. They would ask them, how can we pray for you? They would come back on Sundays. They would pray together. They had the names of all the people along the walls of the church. They began to see some prayers answered. People started asking questions. Who is this God you're praying to? People started coming to faith. And then six months later, the team came back for an evangelistic push. And there are 30,000 lost people in that district. They started sharing the gospel, and our, our worker there worked with a church of about 200. And in that week, that church saw 90 people give their lives to Christ. Throughout the week in Gaul District, 375 came to faith in Christ. That was a 7% increase in the Christian population of that district in one week. Our worker was telling me later, he said, you know, uh, Todd, I've been back for about a year now from stateside, and I've been sharing the gospel, but I just haven't seen much fruit. And 
In three days, I led 27 people to faith. And the only thing I could think of that was different was that I was praying intensely for these people for six months. Will we pray for those that are lost intensely like that? Can you pray for people on a daily basis to come to Christ and come to know Him? Are you praying for that umbrella of opportunity to continue in our country? There are forces at work that would seek to silence our message. It's not politically correct to say there's only one way. And so pray that that umbrella of peace would continue throughout our land. So pray for the powerful. Pray for the persecutors. There are those that pummel Christians across the world, these leaders. Pray for China, Xi Jinping, president of China. No longer has term limits. They started a retranslation process with the New Testament. And one story we've heard of recently that they've, they've retranslated is the story of the woman caught in adultery. In the story, Jesus comes to her and says, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. And he stones her to death. And he says, no one is above the law. The Chinese government is in effect replacing themselves as the rule of law, replacing themselves as God across that land. A couple of months ago, a Bible seller was arrested and sentenced to seven years in prison because he was selling the true Bible. So pray for President Xi Jinping of, of China that he would somehow be broken and that the umbrella of peace would continue. There are 100 million Christians across that land. Those believers, those leaders of those networks are telling us that they're praying for a tenfold increase across China for the church in the middle of this intense persecution that has broken out against the church there. Pray for those persecutors, those Saul's, to become Paul's. One of our IMB personnel was doing a training outside of Kathmandu, Nepal, and he had some, some new believers and then some that were getting ready to start being church planters. And so a, a young guy came and no one really knew him. And he said, I, I want to learn how to do this as well. I want to learn about Christianity and how you guys plant churches. And they said, okay, come on in. Well, it turns out he was a Saul. He was there to learn about Christianity so he could refute it. He, he was radically against the church growing in his country. On the third day, he started shaking uncontrollably. He said a chill went through his body, and he stood up in tears. And he confessed that he wasn't there to learn, but he was there to learn how to refute this. And he said, now I know, I know it's true. I know it's true. He stood up and he gave his life to Christ right there in that training time. At the end of the day, they walked 30 minutes up the hill. He stopped along the way to share what had happened to him with one of his friends, and he was baptized on top of that hill that day, turning from being a Saul to becoming a Paul. Pray for a variety of peoples. Pray for powerful people. Pray for those persecutors. Why? so that they would have an opportunity to come to the knowledge of the truth, of the gospel. The big idea, the penetration of the gospel is dependent on the prayers of God's people in the light. The darkness will be pierced by your prayers. 
This is one of the great evangelism and mission passages in the New Testament. The picture is that God wants people everywhere to know Him. Give their lives to Him. Be changed and transformed by Him. See them in your own neighborhood. In in the line at Walmart. In the marketplace. In the boardroom. On the basketball court. On the mission field. We must go to them and share this good news of Christ. He longs for their salvation. And He will give us an opportunity to engage in that process of bringing people to faith. We pray for all peoples, and we proclaim to all peoples. Paul used a great word in verse 7. He used the word herald. I am a herald of the gospel. Now that's a, that's a great ancient word. It's, a, it's the one who would come out to the the marketplace there in an ancient city, and he would proclaim a great victory from the army. Do we have a great victory to proclaim as heralds of the gospel of Christ? Paul is telling us he wants us to not only be prayers, but proclaimers. Heralds of this good news. So why? Why do we pray and proclaim? Well, every week around the world, 275,000 people are proclaiming gospel shares, the challenge is the population is growing by 1.5 million every week. We must multiply ourselves. And as IMB missionaries, we don't see ourselves as the workers only. Yes, we do the work, but we also multiply ourselves because we know our national partners in those places are going to be able to multiply the work so far beyond what we can do. And so we must multiply ourselves. But why do we pray and proclaim? Because God desires the salvation of all peoples. Verse 4, our praying for the world is motivated by God's passion for the world to know Him. He desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, he doesn't say that all people will be saved just because he desires that. No, people must commit their way to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. He desires the Japanese, the Bengalis, the Turks to be saved. So we must go to them with this gospel. I was with a group of team leaders a while back and we were on a bike riding prayer tour around the city of Bangalore. city of Bangalore is about 10 million people and the city planners were planning satellite cities of a million each around that big city. And so we were praying, Lord, do a work in these places. May the church be planted in these places. And we, we had a guide by the name of Raj, and Raj was riding along, and one of our, our guys, Wesley, kind of sidled up along him and started sharing the gospel with him as we were riding through these villages. Later in the afternoon, we stopped in the middle of this village under a big tree, and Raj and Wesley and I were talking, and Raj says, you know what this, this tree is? said, well, right now it's a really good shade tree on a hot day. He said, this is the judgment tree. This is where the elders of the village bring someone who's transgressed the laws of the village, and they pass judgment on this person right here under this tree. I said, really? Raj, do you know that there's a judge who's coming who's going to judge all of us? And we need to be right with him before he comes. And we We continued sharing the gospel with Raj under the judgment tree, and 
Shared my testimony with Raj, how I'd come to know Christ. He was tracking right along, and I said, Raj, would, would you like to accept Christ right here, right now? He said, yes, I would. Then I asked him another question. I said, Raj, are you willing to put away all of your other gods, all your idols? Because I knew at home he would likely have a God shelf where there were these little idols, and every day his family would make offerings to those idols. I said, Raj, you can't do that anymore if you're going to be a follower of Christ. And he said, I'm going to put all of them away. I want to follow Christ. So we knelt under the judgment tree that day, and Raj gave his life to Christ. We must go and proclaim the good news of Christ. Why do we pray and proclaim? God deserves the honor of all peoples. There is one God. Now that seems like such a simple, straightforward statement to us, but in many parts of the world, that's a radical statement because they believe in many gods. Isaiah said in chapter 45, verses 21 and 22, there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other There's not a God for this people and then a God for that people, for this nation and that nation. No, there's there's one God for those in Memphis to honor. There's one God among the Bengalis for them to bow down to. There's one God for the, the, the animus of Mali. There's only one God. We must worship Him and worship Him alone. Church in Arkansas First Baptist Centerton believed that they wanted to be a part of getting this good news to an unengaged, unreached people group. And so they started praying, Lord, show us the people group you want us to engage with and, and adopt. And so they chose the Badia people. Now they started praying for the Badia people. They prayed for five years. They started going to try to find the Badia people in that, that country where they lived. For five years they went, for five years they found none. No one. And so they connected with one of uh, your IMB missionaries who said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be working in that area soon. I will ask if anyone knows of a Badia person. And so the next training time he had with the, that group, he went there and he said, are there any Badia people here? On the front row, man raises his hand. He said, yes, I'm Badia. He said, brother, when did you come to Christ? He said, well, I came to Christ in the last five years. He said, are there others like you? He said, oh, yes, I'm, I'm a pastor of a small group in my village. And he was so excited. This was the first time they had met Badia believers. And so he contacted the church. Stuart Bell was so excited. He said, you know, we were about ready to give up on, on the Badia. But he said this, He said, you don't adopt someone and then unadopt them. You stay with it until the job is done. Now, what if they had signed a three-year partnership and said, okay, three years is up, guess we'll go somewhere else. No, they said, we're going to stay with it until the job is done. Well, the church went the next trip. They they went to that village. They met those Badia believers. Ten more received Christ. Today, there's a church of over 200 in that village. It's called Victory Baptist Church. They've They've uh, built a training center where they're trying to reach 42 other unengaged, unreached people groups in that area. Pray. Five years they prayed. That'd get a little discouraging. 
to hear the testimonies of those church members stand and say, I'm so glad we didn't give up. The Badia are worshiping Jesus now. That's why we go and proclaim the good news. Why do we pray and proclaim? Because Christ died to rescue all peoples, verses 5 and 6. There, there is only one God and there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. He is the ransom. He paid that ransom to release us from bondage from the enemy. And he's doing that around the world today. There's, there's one God, holy in all his ways, just in all his judgments. And, and we are sinful in all our ways and deserving a judgment. And there is no way we can work our way into his good graces. We cannot reach him in our own efforts. He has come to us. He has died on the cross for us after living a sinless life. Going to the cross. Shedding his blood for our forgiveness. That we might have salvation freely given through his grace. He is the only one that could bridge that gap. Fully God and fully man. The, the God-man. Our mediator paid the ransom that we might have life today. That's the message we proclaim across the world. And that's the message that Rajesh took to his people. A few years ago, I was sitting in Rajesh and Deepak's uh, village homes there in a state they used to call the Graveyard of Missions. Rajesh and Deepak had joined a, a church planning kind of cohort with Wilson, our worker there in that state. And for 12 months, they signed a covenant that they would work closely together. And Wilson would go to their home, uh, to the village one month, and then the next month, all of them would come into him in his place and stay together. And he would just train them and equip them and pour his life into them. Well, there was one thing they hadn't done yet, and that was actually go out and try to plant a church, and that was the whole purpose. So about six months in, Rajesh and Deepak are telling me this story. He said, hey, uh, I don't really think that's going to work, and so I'm not going to do it. And Deepak says, well, hey, Rajesh, we need to do it at least once so we can tell Wilson it doesn't work. At least we need to try it. So they agreed, okay, we're going to go out to this village. We're going to do what Wilson said. We're going to walk through the village. If anyone comes up to us, we're going to say, and asked us why we're there. We say we're praying for a blessing in the name of Jesus over your village. So they did that. So we're just telling me the story, and he's walking through the village, and he, he's about ready to come back out of the village, and he's saying, well, looks like no one's going to come. We tell Wilson this doesn't work. Well, a man walks up to him before he gets out of the village and says, what are you doing here? He said, we're here to pray a blessing over your village in the name of Jesus. And he says, what? Jesus. I have this piece of paper that I got in the capital city, and it talks about Jesus, but I don't really understand it. Could you come and share more with me? So he went to his home that day. They shared the gospel. They had 25 people from their family gather around all afternoon sharing with them. Within three weeks, 25 had come to faith in Christ. They planted their first church. Then they said, well, let's try it again. So they went to another village. And another, and another, another. And six times, they planted new churches. Then they thought, well, how are we going to keep going? Because Wilson said, we really need to take a Sabbath day for rest and worship ourselves with our families. And so they said, we remembered 
Wilson said we need to multiply ourselves into those new churches and train them up, make disciples there, teach them how to do the same thing we've done, and they started doing that. Now, in about the last 10 years, each network of Rajesh and Deepak separately have over 350 churches in their networks. That state is no longer called the graveyard of missions. God is doing a great work across that state, and we're so encouraged and excited about what God is doing. Amen. Christ is waiting on all of us to get on our knees and proclaim His good news across this city and all the way to the ends of the earth. Will you join in that great task of reaching the nations? Because one day, we will be standing before the throne with every nation, tribe, people, and language represented there, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious sight that's going to be in Revelation 7-9 when it comes into being. So in the meantime, we pray together. Pray for us at the International Mission Board. We have some aggressive five-year goals. We want to keep pushing the gospel forward. We're praying for 500 additional IMB missionaries to be sent. Would you be one of the 500? Now, you don't have to be a church planter. We have needs for finance people logistics people, member care, counseling type people. There are other ways to engage in this task. While you're serving in those roles, you also have opportunities of sharing the gospel. But pray the Lord would raise up 500 additional laborers over the next five years. And then pray for 500 global missionary partners. You know, in the 175 years that the IMB has been in existence, we've raised up 140 conventions around the world, Baptist conventions. And now they want to partner with us to send their missionaries. So this is the sixth part of the, the sixth component of the missionary task is exit to partnership. So we've set up jobs for, the, for these folks to send their missionaries to join our teams in these unreached places. And so we had a, a rather modest goal this first year of 25. We're about six months in. We had a, had a lot of relationships to develop and trying to do it in COVID. We thought it's going to slow us down. So we set a goal of 25 this first year. In the first six months, I just heard last week, we hit 25 deploying to the field already. So we're going to go try to double it this year. Uh, so pray that God would continue to raise up. We have over 100 now in the pipeline from that particular group. And then pray that we would learn how to engage these global cities. You know, at the end of the decade... 80% of the global population will live in cities, in urban areas. And so we are trying to learn how to develop comprehensive strategies to reach these amazing cities. We, we lived in a city of Delhi, 25 million people. It's just mind-boggling to get your arms around a city that big and, and seek to develop a strategy to try to reach a city that large. But prayer is so critical, and, and your giving is so important. So I want to say thank you on behalf of your IMB missionaries, over 3,600 today with their 2,800 children, are being supported by churches just like yours. Across our convention, we can do so much more together as we come together to reach the nations. And so pray that the Lord would continue to provide those resources so we can send an additional 500 missionaries. But thank you for your giving, for, for how uh, how will they hear your, your offering, your missions offering, and uh, your cooperative pro program giving? 
that <clears throat> helps us to do more together to reach our country and the nations. And then pray. What an exciting testimony from Lauren. How the Lord is going to use her in Nairobi and throughout Kenya and beyond over the next couple of years. Pray the Lord would raise up more Lauren's from your midst over the next several years that would go from Bellevue, be called from Bellevue to be a part of the Great Commission. There your arm out to the nations as they go. So what part will you play in fulfilling this great commission that the Lord has given us? We begin by praying and proclaiming.